Hello, welcome, welcome everybody. Hope you're having a wonderful day whenever you happen to be listening to this. My name is Georgina and welcome to What on Middle Earth, the series, the podcast, where I ramble through the works of Tolkien and just learn a bit more about it beyond Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit or whatever you might know from uh, from the series. Learn a bit more, ask some questions, fumble around and generally have a good time and enjoy uh, the writing. So in the last couple of episodes we've been uh, spreading out the content of the Valaquenta which has been covering the gods of Tolkien's universe. And by the gods, I mean the Valar, I also mean the Maya, who are the lesser spirits that uh, serve the Valar. And today we are going to have a rundown of the enemies of the Valar and the Maya. It's going to be a quick one, but uh, I feel like this deserved its own episode. I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to cram it all into one thing, you know, to spread it out, let it digest, let, uh, let some space in to think about it and, uh, you know, process it all in your brain because I know remembering all the names is quite a lot, remembering what they do is quite a lot. So that was my intention anyway. So it'll be a quick one, but let's dive into it. So here we go. Of the enemies, this is the section of the Valaquenta that deals with the enemies. And while I mentioned previously that Melkor is not counted as one of the Valar, even though he is one of them, he is equal in power to Manwe, um, as has been mentioned before, he's mentioned here, and he's mentioned quite a lot, because he is the first and I would say the most ruthless enemy of the Valar. He, all he does, his sole purpose is to undo all of the good that they do. Uh, out of jealousy, out of uh, wanting to control things that he cannot control. Um, instead of using his powers for good and for, you know, doing great things on Middle-earth, on Arda, creating his own uh, sphere of influence. No, he would rather just tear down everything else that everyone else is making. So we have here, it says, Last of all is set the name of Melkor, he who arises in might. But that name he has forfeited, and the Noldor, who among the elves suffered most from his malice, will not utter it. And they name him Morgoth, the dark enemy of the world. So already there, he has another name given to him by the Noldor elves, who we will come to at a later date. But uh, because of him, they have a lot of strife between them, between their kin, and they name him Morgoth. So worth remembering, Melkor and Morgoth are the same. It's just different names for the same Valar. Um, and so all he has to his name is violence and tyranny, and he coveted everything in Arda, and he wants kingship over absolutely everything. All of his purpose is evil, and <laughs> there's, there's absolutely no redeeming qualities about this guy. Um, and his subtlety is in his methods. He's not, uh, he's not an overt bad guy, if you would like, but He's always working behind the scenes to trip up the Valar in what they're creating and just sow discord, I suppose. 
He, uh, it says here, actually, this is a really good way to describe it. From splendor he fell through arrogance to contempt for all things save himself, a spirit wasteful and pitiless. Understanding he turned to subtlety in, per in perverting to his own will all that he would use until he became a liar without shame. He began with de desire of light, but when he could not possess it for himself alone, he descended through fire and wrath into a great burning, down into darkness, and darkness he used most in his evil works upon Arda, and filled it with fear for all living things. So, you know, you could say here, basically, he is responsible for all darkness, all fear, all pain in Arda, because that's never the Valar's intention. They want to create a beautiful utopian world full of light and laughter and wonderful things, but no, he's all about... Uh, all about treachery and uh, and that kind of thing. Many Maya were drawn to him. We kind of touched on this a little bit in the last episode in terms of Ose, who was uh, a Maya who was uh, under the service of Ulmo, who is the Valar of Water. Um, and Ose has, you know, quite a chaotic personality. He dwells in the shore and the waves and, uh, you know, islands and that kind of thing. Um, and he very nearly fell under Melkor's influence. Um, but his much more sensible wife, Uinen, who uh, is revered by several civilizations in, in history, and uh, she resides in the waves, she pulled him back and said, no, you're not going with him. Go back to Ilmo and uh, repent, basically. And he did. But uh, some Maya were drawn to him, and we'll come to that in a moment. And other Maya were corrupted into his service. The the ones that are mentioned here are the Valarauka. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Valarauka, yes, that's right. Uh, the Scourges of Fire. And uh, we may know them better. And if you've seen the movies, you will know them absolutely as the Balrogs. The Balrogs are Maya that are corrupted to Melkor's service. Um, so, you know, he is responsible for a great many terrible things, as they say. Um, and that doesn't stop there. In terms of the Maya who follow him, there is also his greatest servant, who, once again, if we've read The Lord of the Rings, we know exactly who that is. That is Sauron. Sauron is a Maya who uh, fell under his influence eventually because he was originally a Maya under the sphere of Aule, who is the smith. And he originally was, you know, in the direction of light and wanted to do good in the world and all of those kinds of things. But eventually he fell to Melkor and was just full of malice and became his greatest servant. He was also known as a Gorthar the Cruel, which is quite a menacing title, I think. He was very, very, very mighty, and it's such a shame that he fell out of uh, Aule's influence, because I feel like he could have been responsible for many wonderful things, but unfortunately, uh, Melkor deceived him, and it says here, um, in all the deeds of Melkor, the Morgoth upon Arda, in his vast works and in the deceits of his cunning, Sauron had a part, 
and was only less evil than his master, in that, for long, he served another and not himself. But in after years he rose like a shadow of Morgoth and a ghost of his malice, and walked behind him on the same ruinous path down into the void. So, it's quite a... uh, quite a sad descent into darkness and terror that Sauron took, but as a result, he's probably become one of the most famous villains in all of Tolkien's writing. So, you know, we'll learn about about him a bit more as time goes on, and if one day, eventually, we may get to the Lord of the Rings, but um, yeah, that's his beginnings, a very brief uh, look into his beginnings anyway. So that's a very brief look into the enemies of uh, the Valar and the Maya. And with that comes the end of the Valaquenta. So just a recap then, over the last couple of episodes, we spent one episode looking at the Valar and a quick rundown of each of the Valar and their spheres of influence and what they cover, um, both male Valar and female, and, uh, you know, um, who they are married to, very important, (laughs) Um, and their spheres and what they cover. In the previous episode, we talked about the Maya, who are the lesser spirits of uh, Iluvatar's thought, who serve the Valar, and in what combination that is, and some of the most famous ones. And this episode was counteracting all of that and talking about the enemy who at this point in the very 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 early stages of Arda of Middle-earth and creation it's Melkor who is the Valar who just wants to destroy everything and hates everything and the Maya that fell under his influence and of course Sauron who is his most famous servant. So with that in mind where do we go from here? We've started the Silmarillion with the creation myth, the creation myth of Tolkien's world and how that came to be, how the world and the universe as we know it came to be through the song that the Valar sang. And we also know now who the gods are and what they do and how they relate to the Maya and all of that kind of stuff. So, The next chapter that we'll start looking at, maybe we'll break it up into bits as well. We'll see how how long each episode comes in. I feel like they're getting shorter and shorter, but that's okay. Uh, I don't want to overwhelm with too much information or thought in one episode. But the next chapter will cover the history of the Silmarils. It's called the Quenta Silmarillion. Uh, What are the Silmarils? Well, very briefly speaking, we've talked about the Noldor, the Noldor elves, and uh, their relationship to Aule, the smith of the Valar. The Noldor are great craftsmen, and the Silmarils are jewels, perhaps the greatest and brightest and most coveted jewels um, of all time, created by arguably, and I'm sure people will disagree on this, but created by arguably the most famous, one of the most famous Noldor of all, who is Feanor. But we'll get to him eventually in the next uh, in the next chapter. We'll talk a bit about the beginning of days um, and the first war, perhaps a little bit. So look forward to that. I hope you enjoyed this so far, our little dips into the creation myths of Tolkien's works and writing. 
please let me know your thoughts, how you're feeling about the series. Um, I'm recording these in, in a, a chunk, so I might go over and review these and see if I might change a little bit about the way this podcast is run and make it a bit more storytelling and interesting and exciting. But in the meantime, please have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care wherever you are, Tolkien fans, new and old, and I will see you in the next What on Middle Earth. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.